I've done studies that will come out for the book about burnout and breakdown, and we are reaching levels that are unprecedented. And I think we're just reaching a tipping point of this lean in idea. Like we can't lean into everything. We're going to fall over. This idea that we have to do it all is crazy. I think we can have it all only if we define what having it all means to us, but we can't do it all. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. If you're new, we are so grateful you're here. Maybe you heard about us on social. Maybe a girlfriend told you, but we are so excited to have you. We promise we won't let you down. (laughs) Hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? Already have. (laughs) No, this thing is is so much fun. And we've been uh, really inspired at the beginning of this year to meet more of you. So we're going out on tour again and it's just evolving all the time. So yeah. lots of people going on tour and we're going on tour too. So we have like 13 stops right now that you guys will see very soon. We're excited to see you in person. So we have a question from the group. Yeah, one of our lovely ladies in the Secret Almost 30 podcast Facebook group mm-hmm. had a question to our community about soulmates and twin flames. Yeah. Which we thought was a good one. That'd it's be a really good one. About. Yeah. And so the difference between a soulmate and a twin flame is I learned this actually um, 2011 when I was living in Chicago by a psychic that predicted my life as it is today. She told me that a twin flame is... So I guess when your soul is created in the universe, it always has a twin. It doesn't mean that you're, it's the other half of you, but it's the other part of your soul. And oftentimes these souls can find each other in certain life, lifetimes to balance karma, to grow together, and to basically start the process towards ascension. Hmm. So right now in the three-dimensional world that we live in now, we are not in a plane of, pure joy and pure bliss. Our souls are here on earth to learn, to grow, to repay karma, to balance karma, to love, and to hopefully evolve on to the next life. And then eventually your soul will ascend and your soul will no longer reincarnate into this plane, into this 3D plane. So twin flames are very, very powerful relationships. They're very intense. They are very karmic in a good way and in a bad way. So oftentimes some of 
potentially maybe the worst relationship you've ever had in your entire life and the worst breakup you've ever had in your entire life could be a twin flame karmic relationship that you guys were trying to balance a karma that maybe you gave to them in a previous life. But then it could also be very, very beautiful and very, very intense. Um, They're very, very rare. You know, oftentimes people talk about them kind of flippantly because they think someone's a twin flame or not, but they're actually very rare and they don't happen very often. And for the most part, twin flames will meet and they will be together for a year or two years, however many years to learn the lessons that they're meant to learn from Mm -hmm. that person in this life. And then they will move on. It's not very often that a twin flame is meets, stays together, and then lives happily for the rest of their lives because it's such an intense relationship. Interesting. But they will find each other, of course, in other lives. But usually the last life that they found each other in together is the life that they come together in before they ascend. Got it. Out of this dimension. Okay. I feel like that's really, you said that really well. It's just like, and, and also to articulate it because I think some people like throw it around and they're like, they're my twin flame. I'm like, Oh no. No. It could be it could not be forever like yeah. it but I think so so yeah, I'm trying to like for myself to find the soulmate thing cuz that's one that I hear more often. And I've just like come to understand at least for myself thus far that like I have met a few soulmates. So like I understand it as, you know, I guess maybe similar to a twin flame in the sense that like you meet in this lifetime for a particular period of time and for a reason. And you, one of them could be for the rest of your life, but so many of them thus far and not too many, I could probably count like maybe three that have really been instrumental in my growth and my understanding of of love and myself and and myself within relationship and loving another. So I didn't really understand that until like a couple years ago. And I actually told someone that they were one of my soulmates <laughs> and he didn't really know what to do with That's that. That's not weird. Yeah. But he, yeah, he didn't know what to do with that. But I, I, told I Justin, needed like, to- After dec- three months. Yeah. I had him like in my phone as my soulmate. <laughs> well, I mean, you knew. We had only so- text. We had only text. <laughs> There she goes manifesting again. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's like, I think it's important to declare that and to, no matter what people think, whether it's the other person on the other end or just people hearing you talk about it. But I, I really do believe that because it helps for me at least to kind of understand why they were there instead of like wondering, I guess, you know, like, why did we break up? And because you forget like why you break up a lot of the times you're like, wait, why didn't that work out? And maybe I could have made it work. And to understand them as a soulmate in your life, one of a few helps me to understand like, oh, there was such a purpose there. You yeah. Know? And it, that's the situation where it can take many, many forms. Mm-hmm. You know, the soulmate can be many forms. I have one of my old coworkers, Cassidy, was my one of my soulmates. We were, you know, very, very close for a few years. And it was just something that I knew. And then there's also a girl that was someone I hated for a long time. Mm. You know, I met her in college and she was the person that my partner, my boyfriend at the time cheated on me with for months and months. And then she actually came back into my life and ended another relationship that I was in. So that was someone that I actually see now as a soulmate in a way, you know, Mm. like a karmic soulmate where we had had probably situations happen in previous lives that 
connected us and Mm -hmm. that maybe karma needed to be balanced and it was balanced with the hurt and pain that, you know, she caused me throughout the years where I was struggling. So I see her as like someone that was a good teacher for me and a soulmate for me. It was interesting. Like when I first met her, I knew that there was something about her. And I remember she asked for my number and I gave her the wrong number, even like when we first met. Mm. And I was like, just knew something was weird about it. And, um, but I, again, I see her as one of my soulmates. I see friends as soulmates. Yeah. And then, you know, I've definitely seen, of course, my like partner, mm-hmm. you know, Justin as my, my soulmate. He's been my only soulmate of anyone that I've ever dated. The, I had a situation that was twin flame, like in a way in high school, mm-hmm. that was very lesson forming for me, but I think it's just, I guess the one thing I'll say about it is I think it's a very interesting tool for us. And it really, if you put it in the framework of having it help you to see the lessons, to see the beauty and to see the reason why you're with someone, I think that's important. And that's what you should take from the term soulmate or twin flame. What I find to be sometimes annoying isn't the word, but I'm not coming up with another word is when people are using those terms to make their relationship look better than others. Yes. And they're using it to be like, oh yeah, you know, we were meant to be, we've had a hundred lives together and, you know, we actually have the same blood type and we're, you know, twin flames and we had a soul contract that caused us to be together and our signs are perfect together and all of this stuff that like, just seems like a little bit like a reason or a way for them to like flex their love on others. Mm -hmm. That's like, kind of like, if you know, you know, you know what yeah. I mean? And I'm not saying that like finding that love is not the beautiful, most beautiful thing. And I, and it's like the most gorgeous thing because we know people like Jordan Younger who's found mm-hmm. her twin flame a hundred percent for sure. And has been such an inspiration, yeah. you know, for relationships everywhere being such a beautiful blossoming thing that has evolved and they are just so gorgeous. But I think in some cases people kind of like use it a little too much and just kind of use it to like, I don't know. Yeah. And it could also just be a mechanism to like, I mean, not in a relationship, so I don't don't really know, but like not do the work. Mm. You know what I mean? Where it's like, they're my soulmate. And it it almost like creates like excuses for maybe opportunities where they could evolve as a couple, evolve as individuals. You know, I I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know, but it's an interesting thing to think about just like labeling, labeling relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like with a soulmate relationship or a twin flame relationship, it it is the work that you have to do around it. And karma is the Sanskrit word for work or deed. So it's like the, the work comes with the beauty in these beautiful, amazing dynamic relationships. But I mean, I'm sure many of you have had these situations where you just know you have a knowing, you have a connection that is beyond words, that is beyond expression. Mm -hmm. And that has given you so much or taken so much from you. But it's just important that we always think about them in the best way possible as being important for your evolution and important for your growth. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard sometimes when you're in a heartbreak situation to kind of see on the other side and see the reasoning behind it. You kind of put, it's almost like you put like a hood up to the possibility that this could be good for you or that this would lead you to something that was better fit for you or um, more intentional in your life. It's really, really hard, but I think it's important to always remember that. Yeah. 
I like the idea of the soul, the friend soulmates. Hell yeah. I don't like, I believe that 100%. I just haven't like um, said it really out loud. For sure. Like you're a soulmate. Like when yeah. I met you, I was like, oh, this is another part of my soul. Mm-hmm, exactly. You know, like, and they're, I mean, I've definitely, and Cassidy was, and I've definitely had, you know, others in my life mm-hmm. that have been my, been friend soulmates. And that's when, yeah. I mean, that's such a beautiful thing. You know, a lot of the women can see, a lot of their friends as friendship soulmates too that are yeah. very important to their growth and whether it's just to be a support or a listening ear, you know, it all matters. Mm-hmm. That's a great topic to bring up in the group. Yeah. We haven't really discussed Peace, it before. Peace, love. Peace and love, hope you find. Peace and love, hope you find. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So today on the podcast. Oh, our homie. Mm-hmm. Nicole. Yeah. She's such a beauty queen. She's such, such a, a gorgeous sweetheart. beauty queen. She came over looking like a gorgeous beauty queen. I love And sent us flowers after. She, Come on. Twice. Twice. <laughs> we had two of those. I think that was an admin error. I think that was an admin <laughs> error. <laughs> love you, Nick. I think that was an admin error by your team. <laughs> or maybe they're like, oh, there's two of them. They probably were like, maybe uh, they're like, oh, oh there's two of them. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Well, I got them both. So. Yeah. <laughs> Typical. People, Lindsay, Lindsay, they think about me and Lindsay live together. Yeah. Like it's so cute. In the slums. <laughs> um, no, Nicole Lappin is, uh, you know, our go-to for any, everything finance, you know, managing our money, empowering us to really learn how to just like claim or embrace our our power when it comes to like you know being in that financial world and it doesn't mean we have to work in it. it just means that you know we can ask questions and we can ask for you know what we deserve and we can manage um, our assets in a way that is empowering and can produce you know lifelong abundance just yeah whatever. she is a New York Times bestseller she has multiple books out and she has a website, NicoleLappin.com that has tons of resources that can help you understand your finances, help you become more financially illiterate and can help you to really figure out what you want from life and then how you can get your money right to hopefully get there. She just makes finance really easy, fun and personal so that we can take the shame out of it, take the guilt out of it and really, really learn about everything related to financial wellness. And just like being unapologetic when it comes to talking about money, I think there's a lot of shame that women have about expressing how much money they want to make or, you know, anything around money. And so she really brings the conversation to the forefront and empowers us to manage it well and to have these conversations with each other and maybe those, you know, bring men into the conversation as well. Yep. And she also has the boss school coming out. Mm-hmm. So the boss school is going to be out in the next few weeks. And at the boss school, you can basically take, get a little dose of Nicole Lappin mm-hmm. in an online digital course that gives you all the tools, resources to get out of debt, to save money, to become financially well, like I said. So the boss school on NicoleLappin.com. Um, and then you can also check in the almost 30 show notes. We have a special code for you. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for listening, for subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes. It means a lot to us. We'll read a review on the other side. Uh, We are going out on tour. So check out our dates on almost30podcast.com. And we've also rebranded. So check that out as well. We're really excited. And join the secret Facebook group. We're having conversations in there. You can connect with other curious, conscious, funny, real women in there. Um, And then 
we also have subgroups. So in, you know, about 45 cities across the world, we have ambassadors that are creating community where they are, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. So check that out, um, both on Facebook and on our website. Yes. And send this episode to your soulmates. Mm-hmm. Guys or girls, send it, send it along. <laughs> Can you imagine? Hey, soulmate. And they didn't yeah, even know. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> they're like, huh? They're listening, they're listening to the first part. <laughs> See you guys on the other side. Bye. Everyone's 10 minutes late in LA. Yeah. Which, you know what? I, I don't like, but also I like. Because I'm know. like, hey man, sometimes I'm 10 minutes late and I yeah. want to have some grace for yeah. like... <laughs> it gives me time totally. to breathe. Like I'm just like, all right, everyone's 10 minutes late so I can come here and breathe for a second. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if like in New York, everyone was on. But it, when I was in New York, I was on time as fuck. Like everyone is on time or you're like punished. <laughs> totally. You know? But like going on a date, mm. how do you feel about being late? Oh, which, which straight one? So I went on a date with a guy and he was like maybe 20 minutes late, maybe more. Oh, Mm -hmm. honey, no. I was Mm -hmm. over Mm -hmm. it. Like I was going to leave. I think, I think 10 minutes is within the window. Yeah. 15 is pushing it. Uh 20 is disrespectful. Yeah. 30 is like, bye. Did he say anything to you before? He was like, I was, I'm running late, but that's like, it's like a power not cool. girl. A, sorry, being sexist. Girls can be late like that. <laughs> I agree. It gets a lot to be me. Like, what do you have to do? And what if we're in heels and like the walk time is definitely almost doubled? Agree. <laughs> I'm like, I think it's a power play too. Like, I just like am so distrusting of people sometimes where I'm like, you're trying to power play this. So like, I want you, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, you've read. What's that book? Oh, that stupid fucking book. What's that book? It's called um, <laughs> Men Beer something. Well, this would be in Beer in Hell, but it's like the game. It's the game. Have you heard oh, of it? Oh, I can't with like, all that. Where you have to like neg the girl. Self-help shit. <laughs> what, like, what's the name? It's called negging. What's that? Where you like build her up and then you break her down. That is so fucked it's up. It's insane. <laughs> so it's like, so you're like, yo, you know, like, um, like you break her down. You're like, you're pretty, you know, not necessarily the prettiest girl here, but. <laughs> It's kind of like you, like, yeah, like you try and make her feel bad so that she tries and like works hard to like get you to like her. It's a book, honestly. It's called The Pickup Artist. Oh my god! Yeah, it's called The Pickup Artist, and that's what it's called. So I have a suggestion of a book to buy instead of that. Thank you, Rich Bitch. Oh my god! (laughs) Yeah, do you? do you have my yeah. books? Here? Yes. Yeah. I have a oh, great. We do. When I was I actually it. at a, my appointment this afternoon, I was like, yeah, Nicole Lapp and Rich Bitch. She was like, I, everyone's like, I've heard of her. She's great. Oh, I know. I so but now you're about to be boss bitch. Boss bitch is already born. Boss bitch is born. How are you feeling? <sighs> that bitch, you, you, this one is really hard. My third one is really hard to birth. Like the second one, just, I think of it similarly to giving birth, even though I've never actually given birth mm-hmm. to humans, but like giving birth to books is really Creative hard. And there's like, I know it's like when it's crowning. Yeah. <laughs> the most resistance. You're trying to like hold it in. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. There's no I epidural. Yeah. I oh. wish there was. This, yeah, that. this latest book that I'm working on that's coming out this year has been the hardest to really? birth. But it's kind of like, I mean, my girlfriends who have had babies and books are like, the books are way harder. It's kind of similar because after it's done, you're like, I am never doing this again. It's similar to your vagina where you're like, nothing is coming in or out of this thing ever, mm. ever, ever. Mm. <laughs> and, then and then you, you see the baby. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, it's so cute though. And you're like, let's do this again. <laughs> what was the inspiration for Boss Bitch? So rich bitch, 
ended up beating all of my expectations. I did not think I mean, that thing yeah, would yes. do well. I thought it was either going to crush it or fail miserably. There was going to be like no in between. And so, yes, it did the former. And then people wanted more. And I felt like entrepreneurialism was so much part of our zeitgeist. I mean, look at you guys. Hello. Like ultimate Hello. boss bitches. Ultimate number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Breaking out all over my face. <laughs> Wearing a nasty outfit. Just being a boss bitch. As this you is should. Boss bitch. This is the real real. This is the real Sorry. real. It's totally not something we learn in school though, which is really messed up. Like we learn bullshit things. Why do we need to know the Pythagorean theorem? I know. Why do we need to know trigonometry? Why do we need to like dissect a fucking frog? I, I have know. no idea. Yeah. But I wish we learned how to do a business plan or like grow a company or do a budget or do taxes. Yeah. Like that would be way more valuable. You guys are growing your business like bosses, but do you have instructions? Like you're figuring this out in the school of hard knocks, right? Yeah. That's how I did it. I So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take all the things that I did wrong, which was so many things and how I messed up along the way. And then I'm going to hopefully make that instructive to other bitches going through the same type of thing. And that was my inspiration for Boss Bitch. And we go through different stages in our lives, especially as women. So it's broken down into being the boss of you, being the boss within a bigger company. So being an intrapreneur and then being the boss of your own business. And I've gone through all of the stages and maybe in the future I could work for someone else or maybe I could start a different business mm -hmm. or maybe if somebody wants to knock me up with a real human mm -hmm. baby, I could be the boss of my own family yeah, uh, or CEO of my household and then go back to work or whatever. And so I think of a career well had these yeah. days more like a rope swing or rock climbing than a career ladder. It's like not your mama's career ladder. That should be over. I completely agree. What was like the... What were you seeing as you were growing up as kind of like a model for what you do now? It doesn't have to look exactly like it, but just, I mean, I don't know. You're not, not everyone's like you. Not everyone has that, that grit and that determination and that focus and that curiosity that turns into mastery. So like, what was it about your upbringing? Thanks lady. You're welcome. I want to come here it's every true. day. I'm so good about myself. The best. <laughs> I know. And I have tea. And I have mm. badass bitches next to me. We um, have the foot massager coming in in yes. three minutes. <laughs> okay, I'm moving it. I'm like <laughs> sleeping over. It's happening. Um, you know, what you said about grit is really where it came from. So I came from a super broken home. My father died of a drug overdose when I was 11. I needed to start working early and I needed to get a job. And I did it out of necessity. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And so I started college really young. I needed to get a job really young. I did not think I wanted to be in finance. It was the last thing I wanted to do with my life. I was so clueless about it. But when I was 18, I was just offered a job in it and I had to say yes. And I faked it till I made it. And that was the truth. I was nervous to admit that a long time ago, but now after I've come through it and, you know, made my career, what I hate about entrepreneurial experts, so to speak, like I want to use quotes when I say that, is that they all say, go do what you love. And I think that's bullshit and really irresponsible. I had to love what I did. And I had to figure out, cause I didn't have the luxury of like a trust fund or connections or anything fancy. And so I just got a job and I needed to figure out how to love that. Like I couldn't burn my bra and go make an alpaca farm or like a cheese shop or like whatever people, <laughs> you know, are told YOLO and, you know, 
whatever, just go do it now. If not now, when? Like that's really a luxury that most people don't have. I didn't. So I think it's important to really make whatever you're doing your own. In Boss Bitch, I have like a uh, Venn diagram, which actually was useful that we learned in school. And it's what you're doing now and what you really love. And then the shaded part is like your sweet spot because you can make any job your own. I mean, if I could make finance fun, like I wanted to blow my brains out when when they were like, are you, do you know anything about business? You want to go on the floor of the stock exchange? I'm like, no, I do not. That is the last (laughs) thing I want to do as a matter of fact. You're like, is this face a face for finance? (laughs) No, I don't want to do it. Put me on camera. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to be Christian Amonbor. I wanted to like go into a war zone. I went Mm. into a different war zone in Wall Street. It wasn't the one I expected. I wanted to be a writer when I first went into college. I wanted to be a poetry major and like sit under a tree. And then I realized I needed to make money. And then I made $20,000 when I was out of college. And I was like, oh shit, you actually don't make money at the beginning in journalism. But what ended up happening, ironically, is that I became a writer, just not the kind I expected. Mm, Yeah, you are definitely a writer. Um, When you're... uh, when your father passed away, how did you how did you deal with grief? Like, I did What has been your yeah, like what has been that process for you? I didn't until much later in life when it hit me. So I actually um, you know, grew up in a really broken home. My mother kind of pieced out, and so I didn't have a support system. And I was talking about this the other day for my father's funeral. I actually went to school. I was 11. I went to school half day, like after his funeral. And kids were like, where were you in the morning? I was like, it was just at my dad's funeral. And I didn't know that that was weird at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I self-medicated with it's work. beautiful to not know. I, di- I didn't yeah. know that like I was in a, a crazy situation because you don't have perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Until you do work on yourself later on. And so I just self-medicated with work. Like I just hid from all the things and I worked my ass off. And, you know, there are some experts too uh, that will say like, I wish I would have slept more like coming up in my career. The truth is like Ariana says that, Ariana Huffington says that a lot. I'm like, listen, you wouldn't be Ariana Huffington if you slept. And so I worked my ass off (laughs) and I wouldn't have it any other way. It's easy for me to like have the luxury of hindsight right now, but I wouldn't have the platform I had if I slept or didn't work. But that's, I mean, it wasn't healthy at the time. I really tried to hide from Mm -hmm. grief and and then like PTSD came up and trauma came up like much later um, and it hits you. Like it does catch up with you Mm. for sure. What did, did you get therapy or how did you deal with that when it happened? Yeah. Yeah. Tons of therapy, tons of work on myself. Like uh, that's all in my next book, Becoming Superwoman, which is how to go from burnout to balance. And I like burnt out after my second book tour, I totally burnt out and nobody tells you how to deal with that. And I've done studies that will come out for the book. Uh, the biggest studies ever done on women about burnout and breakdown. And we are reaching levels that are unprecedented. And I think we're just reaching a tipping point of this lean in idea. Like we can't lean into everything. We're going to fall over. This idea that we have to do it all is crazy. I think we can have it all only if we define what having it all means to us, but we can't do it all. Yeah. Yeah. I was 
I read this article that was in BuzzFeed about millennial burnout and kind of like the increase of burnout. And it was really interesting to kind of, to think about, you know, to think about, especially as women, like how we're burning out. And my, I guess my thought on it is, is I know when people want to point it to this is that for me personally, I think it does relate a lot to social media and like the constant conversation that social media has on us at all times. There's always more to do on stories, on Instagram, with emails, with your business. So it's like the internet's always going. So we feel the need to always go and, you know, there's comparison. So then you burn out and then there's all these things that are just like providing this perfect storm for what feels like people are burning out. And also too, I was there, I read this really good book. I, I need to remember the the specific name, but um, it's all about decision fatigue and how we have such decision fatigue as a generation, because there are so many options and there are so many choices for every single thing that we do for our toothpaste, for the tea we have in the morning, for what we do with our lives. As far as our careers, you could travel and work remote, or you could work doing X, Y, and Z. There's just so many options that are now available to us or that are now presented to us through the internet that it's hard to choose and never, and you never really know if you're making the right decision because, you know, there's always the looming anxiety that there's another option that could be a better fit for you. So yeah, I thought that was like an interesting thing. Yeah. When I went through my burnout recovery, I, I took a social media detox. Like I took everything off my phone. And in my next book, I talk about what that looks like to do like a little boot camp where it's crazy. I felt like addiction withdrawal symptoms. Uh, I really had an issue. Like I was on it too much. It was sucking productivity. It was making me feel bad about myself, looking at other people's highlight reels. And then, you know, we've all been there. We like search the X's Mm -hmm. and we, we, you know, we make ourselves nuts. Um, And then I love what you guys are doing with the events because that's real human connection that I think is so needed mm-hmm. right now. That's like, what's funny about the events. Like, you know, we were talking before we hopped on on the recording, but it's like there, it is exhausting and it is, you know, a lot of planning and energy goes into it, but we didn't expect the energy that we received to fill us up to the point that it did to be able to recharge us for the next stop. Like it was it was kind of crazy, you know, so we have hopes for that this year too. But I can imagine that when you meet people who have read your book and have been just so inspired by what you're doing and feel so empowered, you know, around their business, around their finances, I mean, it could have the same effect. I wanted to ask, you know, what the, I know what the kind of the recovery of the burnout looked like, but what did the actual burnout look like? So women out there can kind of identify like, oh shit, maybe I am experiencing a burnout as well. Yeah. There are a lot of symptoms and there's actually like big B burnout and little B burnout. Like there's big D depression and little D depression. So if you have like a clinical depression, it's big D depression where you go through, you know, multiple depressive episodes in your life. If you are situationally depressed, like it's a little D depression, you know, if something happened, a tragedy or whatever, you know, we can go through bouts of depression in our lives. Big B burnout is a diagnosis. I mean, you if you go on vacation and you come back not feeling refreshed, um, if you have that di- decision fatigue, if you feel dissociated from what you're doing, you know, you could have burnout symptoms and having a mental health day, you know, I think the stigma around that is I think it's getting better. Uh, but 
Still, asking for a mental health day is something that's so important. And I talk to employers all the time. There are a lot of big tech companies that are really rallying behind it too, because they understand that you can't be good at your job if you are not good, if you are not taking care of yourself. You're your business card. And so it's so important to put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. Just in the finance world, I'm thinking of just like friends, and I'm sure you have so many friends. We both do. Like, is it like looked down upon if you're like, hey, I need a mental health day? You know what I mean? Like, they're like, uh, you pussy, get to work. What the yeah, fuck are you like doing? A frat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like a boys' club. So I'm just like wondering what's being done for for you know both men and women, but kind of like mainly men who, who like don't feel that they will be supported. I think that it's something that we all have to get behind and we all have to understand that the equation is backwards for success and happiness. I used to think, and you guys tell me what you think, that I would be happy when I got to a certain level of success. I'd be like, oh, no, no, I'll be happy when I get this job or I'll be happy when I make this amount of money or I'll be happy when I find a boyfriend or I'll be happy when I get married. Then I'll be happy. Then my life will start. Well, studies have shown that happiness brings you more success. It's the other way around. It's Mm. not that success will bring you happiness. It's that happiness will actually bring you more success. And there are proven ways to become happier. Uh, You know, you are in control of a big percentage of happiness. You're you're not born with a, a set amount that you can't control. So gratitude, you guys talk about this too, you know, random acts of kindness, exercise, meditation, gratitude. I did, I say gratitude already. More gratitude. Having a routine. Like uh, I feel the difference when I don't do my little gratitude journal in the morning, I feel it or mm-hmm. at night. And, you know, when you start your routine, like jumping on your phone in the morning, like it can fuck up your day. Instead, if you take charge of your day and you're like, this, these are the things that I need to do for my day before you even check the phone. Otherwise you're going off somebody else's agenda. You're just like chasing a whack-a-mole situation where you're like just responding and instead taking control of your time, which is ultimately your most valuable asset. I mean, I talk about money all day, every day, but you can always get more money. You can't get more time. Yeah. I always say that with the phone. It's like your phone can always tell you something to do, something to buy, someone to text back, someone to compare yourself to, something to post, an email to respond. Like it always has something to tell you to do. So like taking that time, you know, like you said in the morning is like so important. I know we talk about it a lot, but like that for me has been like the prevention from burnout, you know, like having that time. And then at night too, I'm pretty good about turning on the phone, but I wanted to talk about the happiness thing. I read this study that talked about like how, I think I told Lindsay this, but how the people that are happiest, you know, going from however, you know, $25,000 a year to millions of year, remember the point in time that in their life when they were the happiest. And it was when they're making like to $100,000 a year. So not at a point where they're making millions, not at a point where they're obviously don't have their needs met, but it's like they have their needs met at a healthy point where they feel the desire to keep going, the desire to work for more, but yet they don't have every single thing satisfied. So they don't really, so they're looking around looking for like, what are their things to do to make themselves happy? And I always think about that being interesting because, you know, at the point I am in my life, it's like, I want 
you know, always want more, you know, I always want more money. Like I want a a house. I want like all these things that I will have, you know, met in my life. But like when I do look back and I've said this before too, but at where I'm at in my life and like what I'm doing, I mean, I'm, you know, I should be like on cloud nine every single day. And for the most part I am like, for the most part I, I am, but it's also, there's times when I'm not, and I'm always like, fuck, you know, like, what are you doing? Like life is so good. Yeah. yeah, because you get caught up in yeah. that and that it's just this vicious cycle of wanting more. And like when you reach a certain goal, then there becomes a higher goal. And yeah, there, there have been studies that show $75,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. your mm-hmm. I, yours is right in the range too. Mm-hmm. Like after that, it's diminishing returns. After you get your needs met, then you know there's not an exponential jump in happiness. There was actually a company uh, that CEO made everybody have I think $75,000 as a baseline after the study. And I think their benefits were different. So that's how it was. But he was like, no, this is, this is what we need. And that's ultimately how you craft your job is how you show up at work. Mm. There have been studies too that show janitors at hospitals can be the happiest when they frame their job as thinking that they're the ambassador at the hospital, that they're helping instead of framing it that you're cleaning up bedpans and cleaning up vomit and, you know, thinking of all of that negative stuff. When they are thinking about helping people, then they are actually some of the happiest. Sandwich artist, yeah. baby. Subway. Really? <laughs> when you think of yourself as a Subway sandwich artist, it changes the mm-hmm. fucking, flips the script. What have you, like, where, what have been um, times or jobs or situations where you've reframed what you were doing? I mean, right now, I think that with finance, I needed to figure out how to make it fun and make it my own. Uh, When I was at CNN and I was in Anchor there, I started at 21. I mean, I got hired when I was 20. It was my dream job. Let's have it. (laughs) Is that legal? (laughs) Truly. Were dudes perving? Yeah. What was going on? Were you me too? Yeah. (laughs) So many questions. I know. Is this like almost 30 after dark? It is. (laughs) We need to do that. (laughs) We need so many episodes. I know. When I started there, I wanted to hide my age. So I was the youngest anchor ever there. And And I was so confused. I was like, they definitely made a mistake. I had massive imposter syndrome. I thought every day my badge was not going to work. I was like, somebody is going to find me out. I was like, how am I allowed into the CNN center in Atlanta? And that was my own shit that Mm -hmm. I needed to, you know, become more comfortable in my own skin. But I wanted to compete with the Pentagon correspondent and I wanted to compete with all of these people that had been there for a really long time and were much older. And I never told anybody my age. I would always like try to make a joke like, oh yeah, you never ask a woman her age. And I wore shoulder pads and teased my hair and tried to act older. Until I realized that my age was actually my biggest asset, not my biggest liability. And then I started a series called Young People Who Rock, which is not like the most awesome title ever. I kind of love that. Was this the symbol, the rock on symbol? Yeah, I love rocking. Which, by the way, I was the first person to interview Justin Bieber Network. Huh? Yeah. There was an interview somewhere on my computer somewhere where it was like a young Justin Bieber. My booker at the time was like, you have to interview this guy. He's like trending on Twitter. There's something with Usher. There's something going on. I'm like, who is this? What what happened? So he was, I remember he was in the studio in New York and he had like this long hair that he kept (laughs) like flicking. (laughs) Right. He was so 
cute. So and then we had you. all these viewer questions that were like, do you have a girlfriend? Of course. <laughs> it was so sweet. And then only recently I went to CNN and they said that they actually brought back the series. I mean, I'm too old to even be on the series That's now. That's so cool. But at the time, you know, it it took me a few years to say like, no, I'm actually going to own this in a big way. And so I'm going to interview different people under 30 doing amazing things in entertainment, in politics, in social activism, in business, and whatever. And at the time, Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, all these girls were like leaving jail and like fire crouching. Like, oh my God. <laughs> those were the days. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. I yeah. literally went live on CNN showing Paris Hilton leaving jail. I was like, what has my life come well, to and what dude, is that, happening the on days CNN? Of oh. us trying to paparazzi their fucking vaginas getting out of cars. <laughs> Actually, I pray it's done. Blows my fucking mind that <laughs> these twenty-year-olds, as a society, we're trying to catch girls getting out of the car to see their underwear between their skirt. Huh? Gross. Disgusting. Like, what kind of fucking pervs? Like, literally, we're so weird. Like, how? Like, paparazzi get paid what fifty to a hundred thousand dollars per photo of that? Like, that is so wrong. Agreed. We should Completely be able to agree. get out of cars freely. Agreed. With or without underwear on. Damn it. Yeah. Anyways. So you were sometimes you just sometimes underwear just doesn't work. Let's I know. be real. I, I, I never wear it. Same. <laughs> Exclusive. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> you heard cut. it here first. <laughs> Exclusive. <Breaking laughs> All the paparazzi <laughs> should come to my house. <laughs> you want to see my pussy? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, no, but I needed to. I was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to control those girls, but I'm part of this generation and I'm not representative of that. Like I'm working my ass off. I'm the same age as these girls. And so let's make content that shows otherwise. And so I needed to get to a point where I really reframed my job. Like I wasn't going to do anything that these you know, seasoned White House correspondents were going to do. Like that wasn't my game. And my the thing that I could do that no one else could do was this series with this bad name, Young People Who Rock. And that was, uh, there was it. only me that could do that. And so that's where I created my brand within a bigger company. Genius. Wow. For the imposter syndrome, uh, a lot of our girls actually talk about this. What are tips you would give to help them with imposter syndrome? You actually know more than you think you know. And I used to freak out going into... CNN anchoring four hours a day of like all the news. And so I would have anxiety attacks around the idea that I didn't know all the Supreme Court justices or all of the Congress people or like what was happening in Myanmar and Iraq at the time. And like just in case something happened somewhere. And I had an anchor, Tony Harris, whose show I did at the time. And I said, how do you do this? Like I am up all night, like studying. And he's like, you know more about stuff than you give yourself credit for. And if something happens in God knows where, you're also at the largest news gathering organization in the world. And so you'll get the information. And I know that's not exactly applicable to everybody's job, but for me, it really resonated because I needed to know that I was qualified to be there. Everybody else did. And it didn't matter ultimately if other people said that I was good or whatever. I needed to actually believe that for myself. I was anchoring during Virginia Tech, during the Virginia Tech shootings, which at the time were the largest school massacre in our country's history. And I remember getting 
emails in from the students at the dorms asking me what was going on. And it was then, I mean, it took this crazy tragedy for me to say, like, I actually don't know. I cannot in good faith tell you I know something that I don't. This is like a life or death situation. And so sometimes you actually being comfortable in your skin is saying, I don't know. And that's okay. And you know what? I think that that's a much better answer than trying to like pretend or smile and nod and join the conversation of somebody's like, do you know about blah, 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 or have you read this book? And sometimes we're just like, "Mm -hmm, yep. (laughs) Instead, it's a way more confident look to say like, no, I don't understand that. That's a much more authentic approach. And I think that's where some of the confidence comes in and where you can kill your imposter syndrome. Mm. Yeah. It's almost like if you're trying to say something in a conversation that you don't know about, you're actually being an imposter. So by removing those situations where you're bullshitting and you don't know what you're talking about, you are more confident in yourself when you're actually, when you actually know what you're saying. You know what I mean? Because you have like a differentiator between actually being an imposter and saying something you might not know about. That's because you're actually our, listening. Yeah. That's what's happening in our news today, which is so hard is like journalists, you know, saying that they know something that they don't by like seeing one video on Twitter or Instagram <laughs> mm-hmm. and then kind of running with it, which is like where our me- media is going today, which is really hard. Completely. But I think you guys do an awesome job at this. Like you just listen. Like I don't, I didn't even know when we were going to start rolling. It was like, we're having a conversation. You're listening to what I'm saying. You're, you don't have like pre-prepared things where you're waiting for your turn to talk. And I think that's really important. It's not just like in broadcast or in any medium, but it's in life too. Like when you're conducting yourself in an office or in an interview situation, it's not just about like coming up with seemingly smart questions. Like we all know those people in our college classes that like, we didn't even understand what the fuck your question was, but it used a bunch (laughs) of big words. Did you even understand what it was? Like, don't be that person because if you're actually listening, you have two ears and one mouth. So listen more than you talk. And just authentically, if you don't know something somebody's talking about, just say that. And that's where you have more credibility with others and you're actually you know, listening to what's going on instead of just, you know, trying to sound smart. That's not, it doesn't ultimately come across as smart that way. As an entrepreneur, a female entrepreneur, I'm sure you've had moments of, wow, I'm doing this different. And I don't know if anyone's getting it right now. And I don't know if it's landing, but I know I'm doing it different and it feels good to me. Can you, can you describe those moments? I do feel like you are paving the way for a lot of women and a lot of women look to you. And I can imagine that you are in rooms uh, many times or pitching or, or conversations with men who might, you know, just make assumptions about what you know and your experience. And I'd love to kind of like, you know, zoom in on those moments and and get the feelings behind it and then kind of how you navigate it. I remember that the biggest feedback I got, and I would always remember the criticisms, mm-hmm. um, right? Like you get a hundred notes that are awesome and you get one that's like, I hate you, you suck, whatever. Keeps me and up at night. Yeah, yeah. It stays with you. And um, I got one note I remember at CNN and I used to get this feedback a lot. Like I have long hair, as you guys see, I've always had long hair. Like I have a big babushka face and like, I don't look cute with like a little Bob situation. I just don't. And I don't like it. Like 
But there was this one class in college. I went to journalism school, which was not helpful. We can talk about that if you want. Um, <laughs> thanks for nothing, Medill. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. But you know, I because you really learn like by doing, and and it changes so quickly. Like I never imagined I w- would be doing what I'm doing right now. But I had to like really iterate. Everybody said cut your hair. It was like the biggest criticism I got. It was like you just don't look credible, you, you know, whatever, you can't be taken seriously, cut your hair. There was this one class, all the girls would go in with like beautiful long hair and come out <gasps> with like a little bob like <gasps> situation. And oh it was all God. cookie cutter. And I was like, I'm just That's not going to do it. I never cut my hair like a little bob. And I remember being on CNBC and they, again, I thought I got past this situation. I went from CNN to CNBC and they said, okay, like now let's be serious. We're like anchoring a super important international business show. It's time to cut your hair. I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. Like I know what I'm talking about at this point. There was no more faking it till I made it. I spoke the language. I could speak it to the world. And if somebody didn't, if somebody said something that I didn't understand, then I, at that point, killed my imposter syndrome and knew that I was smart enough to say like, actually, what does that mean? And and it and I had long hair and it was going to be okay and I think that for me the hair situation was like a representation of how I could hold on to the fact that I was my own brand there was only one yes. me that was my biggest asset and there's not another you and so ultimately you can listen to a lot of that noise I remember actually cutting bangs. Um, I was anchoring on Thanksgiving and I went up to the makeup room. I got a note that said, Nicole's forehead looks like you can land a 747 on it. Perfect. So nice. Some like viewer. And I was like, I need to cut bangs immediately. And that's the shit that like I, right now I went into a bookstore and I sign stock when I'm around like bigger Barnes and Noble or whatever, because it's they put a sticker on it. They put it out front. You can't return it. It's all good stuff. When you guys write your super fabulous right. best-selling book, mm-hmm. I'll give you all the tips. Sick. Yeah, you're gonna rip, you're tip. gonna sign <laughs> all of that. It's happening. Literally put my fingerprint on it. Too. <laughs> there was one book that I saw in this stack that had my face crossed out, and at this point, I was how old was I? Thirty something, and I looked at that, and I'm like a grown-ass woman, many years past like the bang cutting situation. And I took a picture of it and I put it on Instagram. And normally I would have hit it. I would have bought the book. I would have been like, nobody can see this ever, ever, ever. But I put it on Instagram and I was like, thank you to whoever is this hater. You motivate me. You make me work harder. And I'm sure you're going to ask me for a job one day. So booyah. Yeah, bye. Damn, I love that. Damn, I love that. But that's yeah, how, to you know, you them. have to, you like, it takes a while to get there. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes you just have to go through those, like, bang-cutting moments to get to a place where you see the perspective mm-hmm. that you're not there anymore mm-hmm. and that you've learned and grown and rinsed and repeated. Yeah. And, like, there's a few steps forward and a few steps back. And, like, that's our journey in becoming comfortable in our own skin. And, too, like, I mean, you're in the news world, in the finance world, like, those are like old school worlds. And you, I love, I love the hair story. Like I, and I'm sure you've done other things that are really like kind of against what they 
call normal or acceptable. Oh, lashes. First time I brought lashes oh to CNN. God. That was not a thing. You couldn't also really? wear. Yeah, yeah. What, like now it's like ones? everyone has them or what? Everybody has Obviously. them. Obviously. I mean, look at us. And then <laughs> we're about I mean, to fly away. Honestly, my shit is wild right now. We're stripper. She, she heard award show and she went award show. <laughs> and you couldn't wear sleeveless. I remember uh, at the time. And then it just like went crazy town and then everybody looked like they were going up to the club. <laughs> and it like needs to course correct. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the stuff that is I agree, you guys, some of it's like some wack of it, and weird. Yeah. But yeah, just I think, you know, having those moments to to teach, you know, to kind of redefine like for you to say like, hey, I am fully capable of my job, if not more than capable. And like my fucking hair doesn't matter. That's right. Yeah. Honestly. That's right. I mean, I would be in rooms like when I first started the public. Lapping for president. True. I mean, but it's like, it's like you, you have to like teach the public in that way. Do you know what I mean? Like, like put you on there with your beautiful long hair and have you fucking kill it. Honestly. And then they start to see more people like you doing that. And then they're like, oh, that's normal. But pioneers get arrows. And so like when you're the first to do something, it's not fun. Like when I was launching Rich Bitch and I was trying to explain that this is a finance book that swears, like that hadn't been done before. People were like, have you lost your fucking mind? And I was like, you know what? I'm taking a big swing with this. But if I came out and my book was called like Five Steps to Financial Freedom or some like very lame safe title, like it would have been dead on arrival. It wouldn't have done what mm-hmm. I wanted it to do. And I had some criticism. Sure. I actually wanted more because at that point I was like, yeah, bring it on because this is like a good debate. Mm. Before I would have shunned criticism. I had Mika Brzezinski on Morning Joe, whose show I was on for years. And I went on to talk about my book and she's like, I like the idea. I don't like the title. I'm like, listen, the ends justify the means. If we can get a woman to pick up a finance book who never imagined she picked up a money book otherwise because of this title, then we win like all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And so some women didn't like the title and that's fine. And I think being the ultimate feminist is not telling other women what to do, but being like, yeah, you do you. But at the time people thought I was like cuckoo bananas for sure. And now, I mean, it made a fucking splash, dude. Thanks, dude. It was insane. And now for my next book, what's hilarious, I just got feedback on the, on the um, cover that I showed you. And the sales force was like, where's bitch? Uh, we've graduated from bitch now now like everybody has done swear words at the time like nobody was doing it now it's like the subtle art of of giving a fuck and stuff we have questions while you're here our lovely angel community posted them so much questions in one hour i asked them i was like hey guys she's coming back and everyone went insane. Um, so just want to do. Wait, like, should I come back all the time? Yes. Yeah. yeah cool. Every live, week. live here. Good you job. can live in our. I would love to. Basement. I live at the airport now. Do I? <laughs> do sure. I stop four hundred one? Okay. So hey guys, this is um, the secret almost thirty podcast Facebook group questions. Do I stop four hundred one k contributions to pay off debt? Oh, it, what kind of debt is the question? Is it credit card debt? Yeah, let's assume credit card debt. Yeah, so I so credit card debt is super nasty. So with debt, like not all debt is created equal. Mm. Um, with, if it's come to student debt, like I get it, it feels like a burden, but ultimately they can't take away your brain. They can take away your car. They can take away your house. They can take away your shiz. They cannot take away your brain. So like don't stress about the student loan stuff. The credit card stuff will really snowball out of control. And 
that needs to get in check because ultimately you're going to hurt yourself in the long run. But, you know, the earlier, the better. I know I sound like wah, 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 wah. the earlier, the better with the 401k. Like you can really grow that exponentially, mm. but getting debt under control is super important for us to prioritize, to pulverize your debt. I talk about that a lot. Mm. So to like really pay it off by highest interest rate first. And so just like know what the interest rates are. Not all of them are created equal. Mm. So like if you have something that's 20% or whatever, like you got to get that done first. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like Billy McFarland and the fire festival took out a loan with 120% interest ah! rate. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Pinky to mouth. Interesting <laughs> idea. <laughs> Fucking evil shit. Honestly. Um, what do you, when should you combine finances with your partner? This is one of my most favorite topics to talk about because finances is one of the biggest causes of divorce. Um, the biggest cause of fight, financial infidelity is a real thing. Uh, um, what's financial in- infidelity? Um, so it's like where you're hiding finance stuff or uh, if like you owe money to your ex or somebody and you don't tell your partner about that. And then when you get married, not only is stuff combined, but debt is combined too. And so that can get really scary, which is why I always advocate for flipping your mindset about a prenup because you're really protecting yourself because when you're a boss bitch, like you don't want to take on somebody's debt. I keep arguing that like there should be a filter on dating apps for debt. Like there's a filter for who cares if he's 5'10 or 5'11. Like I want to know if he has a boatload of debt that I'm going to have to like take on. But when you're combining finances, I think when you're moving in together, you have to have the talk. I like to say a yours, mine, and ours account. And when with the hours account, it's a weighted amount. So if somebody makes a million dollars and somebody makes $100,000, you're not putting in the same amount. You're putting like 20%, which for one person is you know mm-hmm. 20 grand and one person is 200 grand. So it feels equal that way. Yeah. So for me, it's like 20 bucks. <laughs> Basically. That's a good, um, yeah. I good think that's suggestion. an interesting one. Justin and I don't share finances and I don't know when we will. We I think, well, yeah, we married or when we have kids. I, I, I love the idea of his, hers, ours. Yeah. Like that feels yeah. really good, especially if you're both working professionals, obviously. And, and then it's kind of fun. Like, you know, so there's no fights about, wait, what did you just spend right. it on? Yeah. What? It's like, I'm spending my money on the things that like kind of feel outside of our, our, the hours wheelhouse. Yeah. And then just like having discussions about, okay, like what are we saving for? Like, what do we want to use this for? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then when you do come like move in together, just make sure that the bills are also under different people's names. So what happens a lot mm. of times is that when people get divorced, like your credit score gets screwed, which is super important. And if all the bills are under, let's say the guy's name and he, like then you guys pay them, he's getting credit. Like he's racking up good credit. If the bills are under your name and for some reason they don't get paid, your credit is getting screwed. Right. Wow. So just make sure like the bill situation is also divvied up. Life insurance. Should you, this is from Desiree Lynn. Should you buy independent insurance or through your work? It really depends if you have life insurance. It's, it's, there are a lot of scams with life insurance, so be careful yeah. with it. But if you have a kid, this is when you should start thinking about it. Like, I don't think you guys need to really think about life insurance, although it'd be cool to do a will, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have stuff. 
Give it to each other. Yeah, I'll give um, this microphone too. I know. Honestly, <laughs> uh, I give my stained sweatshirt too. <laughs> I hereby bequeath it. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you have a kid, you definitely need life insurance because, like, you need to take care of that kid. Like, those are grown up next conversations that you have with your partner too. Nice. Like, beyond who's going to pay. So, for life insurance stuff. is a will. Life insurance is insuring your life. There's whole and term life insurance. So it's basically like if you die, I know it's not super fun to talk about death, but that's what boss bitches do. Like you plan for that. So like your loved ones are taken care of when you die, like they get money. Because where would it go if you don't have So it's a monthly payment. Exactly. So it's like any sort of insurance. So it's like fire insurance, like with the Malibu stuff. Got it. Sammy says, how do you get yourself out of debt while saving for important things? Yeah. So when I got myself in a bunch of debt to begin with, I broke it down into baby steps. Um, and I put seven, to me, it was $7 a day was much more manageable. So I did like an automatic deposit into, um, an account to pay off the debt and the credit cards first, obviously. And then I did a percentage to go into savings at the same time. Mm -hmm. But what I so I grew up in an immigrant household, first generation American. Like I used to be conditioned to put cash away, like green cash. I had a safe under my sink when I moved to New York and I put cash in it. And I was taking out like cash from the ATM just because that's like how I grew up. And a lot of times you have to really rethink like the way it's always been done. You have to ask yourself like self, is that the way it needs to be? Like at some point you put your big girl undies on and you say like, this is my life. This is not my parents' life. And so I got to a place where I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Like I'm taking out green cash and putting it under my sink. And then I have like a bunch of debt that's accumulating and I'm paying the minimum amount. Like that's not smart. Like tackle that first, get that debt mummy off your back. And then like, you know, get a normal savings account woman, (laughs) like have a little bit of cash on hand. But yeah, I think breaking it down into little chunks makes it more manageable. Mm. Love that. For self-employed, this is from Annie. How much percentage or dollar should I be saving for retirement? Any tips for paying off student loans quicker? So two questions. Um, So for my company, I have an S-Corp. And uh, we have, so you have a lot of retirement options as a company. Um, and even if you're like a solo uh, company, if you have one employee, whatever. An IRA, did we go over this no. last time? Mm-hmm. Okay. So an IRA is an individual retirement account. So if you work for a company, you can get an IRA like on your own. So we talked about 401k, which goes through your employer, but an IRA, like anyone can open up. I think they just raise the limit. So I think it's like around $6,000 a year is the max. And so you just go to your bank and you're like, yo, I want to open up an IRA. Like I'm going to take that with me no matter where I go. It's not connected to my job. When you have a company, you get like more IRA options, which are super fancy. There are SEPs and SIMPLES. Um, SIMPLES are not super simple to set up. I have a SEP, for example. And so I can put in more money into my retirement account with the than the 6,000. Yeah. So with the Roth and the traditional IRA situation, sometimes it gets really confusing. The only difference is, is that a Roth, you pay taxes now and a traditional IRA, you pay taxes later. And the reason that Roth IRAs are the ones that are most often recommended, even though you're like, wait a minute, why do I have want to pay more taxes now? That sucks. Like I pay too much taxes is because you're 
ultimately betting on yourself that you're later on going to be in a higher tax bracket and taxes are going to be higher when you actually need it. What people don't realize is that when you put money into a 401k, like you pay taxes when that comes out. Mm -hmm. It is not that amount. And so living off a 401k only is going to get you like, it depends on what your thing is, but like, that's not usually enough. Like that can get you like cat food in retirement. You need to have like the more the merrier. In other words, like you can have an IRA and a 401k. And if you have your own company and you guys are going to build this empire and have like a bajillion employees and they're, you're going to treat them so well and you're going to come up with like your own plan. And that is another really good option. So mm-hmm. yeah, as a business owner, you just have more options, which is good. Mm. And so, yeah, you get that tax advantage. So I put that money in like without paying tax. Oh yeah. Like the dividends you take from the business, you put that money directly in. Uh, um, do you think the market is going to, this is a Krista Williams question. Do you think the market is going <laughs> to crash this year? <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Like, what are your, okay. you've been hearing stuff too. Yeah. So here's my general thought, like put your blinders on, like the markets are always crazy. Like it's up, down. Sometimes you need a volume. I think generally for the long term, if you want to grow your wealth, the only way to do it it is through the stock market. Like we forget about inflation. So inflation historically is growing at 3%. So that means like if you're putting in money under your sink, hopefully you're not, or in your bank account, you are going to have less purchasing power later on because inflation is going to grow. So in order to counteract that, you need to earn more than 3% in order to just earning 3% is going to get you the exact same amount. So like you're going to get that same, Mm, whatever, like you put on a hundred dollars and you're going to need to make 3% at least to get what hundred dollars would buy you today. Inflation is like when we were little, what were movie tickets were what? Like five bucks. I don't know. 10 bucks. Like now they're super expensive. That's inflation. So it's like buying the same good for then in the future, it becomes more expensive. So in order to do that, like you have to put your money, you know, in some sort of more aggressive vehicle. So bonds are usually more safe. The stock market in general can yield about 10%. So like if you subtract three from 10 is seven, right? So it's not a 10%. You have to remember inflation. Mm-hmm. And so generally, like, I don't know if the stock market's going to crash. Like, I'm not a fucking, like, yeah, wizard. fortune teller. Yeah. <laughs> but generally, like, you have to look at it from the long run. Like, all these stats that I've been rattling off are, like, over time. And so that's what you need to realize. Like, don't get too antsy or try not to. Or come to the events and we'll all give you a hug. Blinders. Truly. Yeah. Put your sure. Sure. Sounds good. We had, like, a... We had like a stock market club (laughs) in like elementary school and it was like playing the stock market and it was like fake, but it was like going by the real stock market. But we would like invest, we would have a certain amount and we would invest. I'm like, that is so interesting. Like a play portfolio. I didn't learn a lick because I wasn't really listening, but that's such a, I think it's so fun to like incorporate, like you said before, like what's being taught in schools, like having these simulated situations. Like I didn't know shit about credit, about any of that. And literally until after college, swear to God, didn't know a damn thing. It pisses me off so much. I like, this is a whole other show too. Like the, what we learn in school, that's so not applicable 
to our lives. But with the stock market stuff, like, yeah, I wish that there was a class for it too. If you're getting into it for the first time, you don't need to like try to pick stocks and get tips. Like that's no. ETFs are good. It's an exchange traded fund. It's like a basket of a bunch of stocks. Index funds are great because it's like the entire index. So an index is when you hear about the Dow, the Dow is up, whatever. The S&P is up. That's an index. So it's like a smattering. The Dow is 30 of the most powerful companies. It's a smattering of stocks. So you're basically like getting a basket of a bunch of different mm. stuff. So you're not like beholden to one company and what that's doing. Right. Diversifying. Wow. Yeah, girl. Yeah, Look wow. at you just throwing uh, down that diversifying. Uh, I know everything now. Yeah. She's like, well, <laughs> which bitch? I'm doing a lot of diversifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, last question. So for uh, on the school thing, like if you were to have a child, what would you do about schooling? Who wants to knock me up? Yeah, honestly, <laughs> I mean, honey. I need to know how Dady's going too. I want to answer that question. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, what would I think about schooling? Yeah, what would you do? Because mm. I, I wondered this myself. Yeah. Wait, are you having a baby? No. no. I want to have Something a baby I need at some to know, point. Krista? Yeah. I will have a baby if I'm lucky, but yeah, I don't know what I do about school. I don't want them to go to a normal school. Not mm-hmm. because I'm better than a normal school, but because I don't really like so much of it is unapplicable and outdated and they just don't, they aren't comparing any of the notes of like anything that has been discovered or researched in the past couple years and applying it to what we're teaching children as far as history, as far as science, as far as anything. And it's like just ridiculous. It's like a holding place for these kids that doesn't like, you know, of course like teachers are doing everything they can. This is like not a word against teachers because teachers work their asses off pour all of their energy, time, love, attention into these children are underpaid, underappreciated. And I would give them all the money I had if I could, but it's like the system doesn't allow for kids to like be learning mm-hmm. what they should be learning right now for them to be successful. Yeah. And that's why it's also really incumbent on the parents because now you know all the things about business and finance um, and you're going to talk to your kids about it. You know, I ball when I have women come to book signings and stuff who are like, I'm buying this for my unborn daughter and they're pregnant. I'm like, oh my God, Uh, (laughs) like waterworks, Um, you know, mm -hmm. because it really is ultimately like, and it's it's leading by example too. So like, if you have your shit together, like your kids see that, like I told you about the cash thing. We see what our parents do and like that goes on to other generations. So it's like, like in AA or whatever, all my books are 12 step plans because the first step is admitting you have a problem and then cleaning up your side of the street. Like you can't control the stock market. You can't control other people. You can't control what other people are thinking or doing or what's happening in the world. You can only control yourself. And when you have a kid, it's like a huge responsibility that like you need to make sure, especially with finances, like that's in check. So you don't pass on bad habits. Yeah. As far as school stuff, I don't know. I went yeah, to I public know. school. Like I went to Same. actually a performing arts high school. Oh, um, cool. I was a dance major. I just mm. did ballet this morning with um, Jennifer Gray. Wait, that's Asual. so cool. <laughs> it was kind of amazing. That's She's baby from class. Dirty Dancing. She's like my new best friend. I love her so much. I was like a random alleyway in like Santa Monica. I was like so old school. Like, like it was a, a studio? Yeah, but like in a, like it was old school, this guy from like Russia or whatever. with that. Yeah. So that happened. So I did my first ballet class in 20 years. Um, you got a leotard? Cool. I bought a, a leotard and a skirt yes. and I used her ballet slippers and oh, it was like all the feel? things. I am so sore right now. Some people are like, 
did you, what kind of bar class did you take? I'm like, no, 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 no. None of this trendy stuff, like old school. And my body feels awesome. Oh, you've been doing mm. it regularly. Well, I did it twice. And so I feel like, was there a so piano <laughs> player playing like for, for, floor, for floor combinations? <laughs> it was hilarious. And there was oh. like, you know, women of all ages. No, it was like, um, but it was the same yeah. classical whatever was playing on. Yeah. And I look back at pictures like I was hot. I mean, and you're I, I mean, right come now. on. Stop. Not even. If I look With back, your little dress and your heels. I know. Come on. <laughs> what do you want from me? When we're like, we don't realize how hot we are when we were younger. Yeah, that's, that's true. We look true. back at pictures. We're going to be saying that 10 years from now, but that's, that's about that. totally Yo, true. Hundreds. And that's like so a really good let's perspective. Say today. Yes. That's right. We are hot. We are that hot. Is the damn truth. <laughs> I know when we're 80, we're like, we're going to look back on this day and be like, why weren't we naked? Why didn't we have like, why didn't we open the doors? 100%. True Last story. How's dating? How's I know you're in New York mainly, but back and forth between New York and LA. Yeah. And I do am. you like do you do you just got date on Raya? Is it Raya? Raya? Yeah. Raya? Hot. Yeah. What's the I music? Have, what song? I, when I was on it, I found no. It's Heim. Everyone's I made in, in Germany. <laughs> I love those girls. <laughs> Everyone is in Germany. Yeah, in Australia. I'm like, hey, I'm in LA. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> I am not there. Honestly. Yeah. But what's, what's your experience but, been? Yeah, send me a ticket. I don't. Yeah. I feel okay. that. I, I'm rarely speechless. Uh, I'm, tr- yeah, dating. It's, I figured out a lot of things in life, and this is a hard one for me mm-hmm. to figure out. And I have a lot of friends who are like boss bitches, and we really focused on our careers. And, you know, I froze my eggs a few years ago. Um, nice. Because I realized that ultimately, like, your body is a dictatorship and not a democracy. So it's not, like dependent on another dude. I was with somebody for a really long time and he already had a kid, didn't want to have more kids. And so, you know, it really ultimately is my decision, but um, yeah, I'd love to find a partner, but I also have gotten really good with the idea that nobody's going to complete me and that I already have a rad life. And if Mm -hmm. somebody wants to be additive to this said rad life, cool, like come along for the ride. But like, I'm not waiting for some prince to like whisk me away. I love that. That so, is, but I'm Ryan, so the like that's high. happening with my yeah. life. Or but there's whatever. a lot of girls out there, you know, in our community yes. too that are, you know, dating or feeling or just got out of a relationship or just feeling, you know, a certain way. So to for someone like you to say that is, at least for me, feels like ah, thanks. Cool. Yeah, especially yeah, everything to see you and like you know, I know you and you're so like powerful and amazing and smart and you know, to know that there is like a softness, you know, obviously mm-hmm. people know there's a softness cause you are that, but like, I don't know, like you, she's human, you know, we're all human. Like, I don't know. Yes. I agree. It's true. It's hard to, it's hard out there, man, for all you cool, fine, dedicated, rich, powerful women. It's true. And it it's like easy. the question, you know, yeah, I was dating somebody and he dumped me before the holidays and I was like super sad. He was like, you're not the one. I was like, well, Thanks for telling me. Yeah. Um, you saved Happy me some time. <laughs> Thank you. Next. <laughs> Thank you. Next. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I, you know, I also struggle with the idea that I make so many decisions in my day and I'm like in charge of so many things that like, I actually don't want to be the masculine energy at the end Same. of the day. And Preaching. yeah. And so I, know, I do. I, yeah. 
You want your, but it'll always, it'll balance out if you're in a relationship over time. It's just like, especially in the beginning, you know what I mean? Like to be making all those decisions all the time or to just be like leading the way it's like, yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. I think there's like a masculine and a feminine energy Mm -hmm. and that women can be a masculine energy, but you, you have to choose. And I actually don't want to be that at the end of the day. You know, I can pay for my own dinner. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, and I have these debates with people a lot and, but I own it. I, I, you know, I, I think that that's the difference. It's want or need. Like I don't need it. I don't need somebody else's money, but like it's, n- I like chivalry. I just want to know you want to be here and like you, I don't know. I want, I want them to buy dinner too. And it's, I can buy it. I can buy it for both of us. But it, there's something about it where that there's that energy that you will take care of 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 me. You know, it's like a weird it's a thing. thoughtfulness too. Yeah, you know, it's just like the little details, especially in the beginning courting stages, where you're just like, oh, you know, even little details that you wouldn't even think of, and you're like, I'm going to be taken care of, like you said, yeah. just in more ways than one than just monetarily. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's like, like I'm going to do everything I can. Yeah. to impress you or mm-hmm. to make you know that I want to be here or I want you to be here. You know what I mean? For guys, for us, it's like, we're going to get ready. We're going to do our research. We're going to like meet a therapist <laughs> to like figure out your story. And like, we're going to do all this shit. And like a guy shows up in whatever and like, just buy the dinner. Buy the fucking dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I just buy it. It's like, yeah. I agree. Now, if somebody has the herps, like you should also say. Hundred. <laughs> They have an app, they have a dating app for herps people. Oh God. For not herps people, but <laughs> like, not you know, for that people that are beautiful. I'm sorry. It's that's amazing. beautiful. Yeah. Hell yeah. Maybe. Every, I completely so, agree. I can't imagine. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. I mean, there's so many. There's it, literally, it's literally everyone. There's so many people that have it. And so. <laughs> What's it called? Just like Christian Mingle, it's a similar thing. And J Jade, Date, J Swipe, J whatever. what it's called. Um, anyways, so okay. Well, there's one for the clap. There's one yeah, for as we do. <laughs> Bunch of valuable information. We ended out with love the you, you, Nicole. Yeah, we love you so I much. love you guys. Oh man, Lapping. where can everyone find Lap you? Dance. And then tell them what they can expect from the book. Where can you find me? At the airport. Um, yeah, yeah uh, you can find me on Nicole Lappin at Nicole Lappin all all the places. And right now the money school is out. So I just launched that. I think we have a code for you guys. Can you put it on the thing? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think if you go to the code. Okay. Almost 30. Yep. And you get money off. Yeah. yeah. You get like, or you get free shoes. Amazing. (laughs) Um, So yeah, go to the money school.com or I think it's Nicolelappin.com slash almost 30. We set that up too Mm -hmm. because we love so much love. I'm going to launch another school, the boss school coming up. So I'm like really doubling down on online education. I'm going to launch a school when Becoming Superwoman comes out in September. So this is my year of launches. That's Love amazing. That. Lots of Honestly, births. Not of babies, of just of things. <laughs> Creative babies. <laughs> Creative, Creative babies. babies. So proud of you. Proud to know you. I'm proud to know you. Boss and, uh, bitch. We'll see you more bitch. this year. Can't wait for the next book. Money school. Boss school. It's amazing. We need the love school. I just need to take that class now. I know, honestly. I can't make it. You got the love school. All right. We love you guys. We We are so proud to be a part of your life. Uh, Thank you, Nicole. And we will see you next week. Love you. Goodbye. Bye. 
Thanks so much to our dear friend. Dear friend, Nicole. We love you. We love you. You can go on to NicoleLappin.com. You'll find Boss Bitch and Rich Bitch, her two books, and The Money School, which is a course. And I know you'd love it. All right. Review of the week. Thanks so much for taking the time to write the reviews. You guys are so thoughtful and every word means so much to Lindsay and I and really supports us in the the mission Mm -hmm. and helps us bring you guys amazing guests like Nicole Lappin each week for free. Mm -hmm. Thankful. Five stars. I am so thankful I came across your podcast channel. As a new follower to your channel, I have been listening to old and new episodes daily. I feel more empowered by all the knowledge and information you share. I feel like this is a community all women should be a part of. That's from Lil Jess P. Thank you, Jess. Lil Jess P. That's cute. Thanks, honey. (laughs) See you guys on tour, yourpodcastbro.com. If you want to start a podcast or monetize your podcast, we got you. Almost30podcast.com to find all the information about our sponsors, our partners, everyone that we work with, and tons and tons of discount codes. Mm-hmm. So share that with all your friends and family to get discounts on amazing brands and products. Almost30podcast on Instagram to follow along and have some fun. Almost30nation is our ambassador program account to see what's up with Almost30 community. I am at 100blog on Instagram. And I am at Lindsay Simsick. Yep. Can't wait to chat with you. Thank you. See you next time. Bye.